Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. Did I do that right? I think you got it. I think I did, too. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you in uh, on a Tuesday. The BMW Des Moines guest list here today for Trent and I looks like this at the bottom of the hour. We will uh, get into Iowa State. They've got a home game tonight. Uh, Hilton Coliseum. We'll see the Cowboys of Oklahoma State pay a visit. Boy, they almost picked off Baylor over the weekend. If a woulda, shoulda. So the Cowboys and the Clones tonight at 7. ESPN Plus with the, well, I can't call it TV. Well, I guess you can call it TV. Uh, But it's ESPN Plus. But uh, more importantly to us, uh, down the hall here. Uh, if you can't uh, watch it, you can hear it uh, on the bus. 100.3, the flagship of Iowa State Athletics. Uh, at 11 o'clock, John Bowenkamp from Sports Illustrated. We will opine with uh, John on a number of topics. Of course, he was a Carver Hawkeye for just a, what well, seems like a long time ago, Friday. Uh, an unbelievable basketball game between Iowa and Michigan. As entertaining of a basketball game uh, as we've seen, maybe, I don't know, it, it was really good. It I was, don't know where yeah. you'd rank it, but it was really, really fun to watch, and I'm glad that uh, I was able to do so, and I hope uh, that our contest winner, that uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller Fuller Family Dentistry uh, gave a uh, one of our listeners four tickets to see the game. Boy, I hope him and his family made it up for that one in those conditions, because they would have seen a good one. And then Zuba Mahente will slide on in here at about 11.25. We'll go around the world of sports with Zuba. A lot of ground to cover. I guess we should start with the here and now, Trent, and inside the building. And uh, it's, it's so it was so much. I was looking forward to this day, mm-hmm. you know, since uh, since the announcement was made last week. It's good to see those faces in the building. Certainly haven't seen them all. Uh, Andrew Downs, Heather stopped uh, by the studio, just uh, spent some time in here with us, and you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? Yeah. And uh, for a lot of cases, and it's good to see the people that belong here are indeed here, and more than coming back this afternoon. Of course, Murph and Andy will be in at 2, and the Fanatics, Ross Peterson, Chris Williams, and there's time slot at 4 o'clock. It's, uh, it's a great time, certainly here. For people listening on FM, it sounds different. Does it really? It really does. So, I was listening this morning. My baby boy uh, helped me get up early for the morning rush this morning uh-huh. at about 5.15. I said, well, this is perfect, as he wouldn't lay down. He just wanted to lay on my chest. as the only way to go back to bed. So he's a fan, too. Is that he's a fan, saying? yeah. He, he wanted Dad to be able to listen from the get-go to the morning rush, and we did. So I'm listening on the app. I'm listening on the iHeart app, all good. Then we get in the car as I'm taking my daughter to school this morning at about 7.15. And I'm like, all right, start at 14.60. This is normal. Let's jump mm-hmm. over to the FM side. And I saw some people's comments on Twitter, and it does. It sounds a lot does different it? And it's, on that side. Is it completely in sync? Like when when this sentence that I'm saying right now, is it actually going out? Well, no one would know that if they're listening. <laughs> but you know, internally, do we, is it? It's a, like a three or four second it, difference between the two. There's a delay? There is. Now, is that something that will be the same when kind of all the kinks are worked yeah. out? I don't know about that. But yeah, it's about a three or four second difference between the two. So if you say something, you really want to go back, I guess you can flip back the other side and hear it that way. Did he really say that? What an idiot, right? Uh, let me flip over and make sure I heard that. Well, I'll give you plenty of opportunities to do that. Absolutely. You know, uh, Trent, this this format, Sports Talk, has been around for 24 years in this June. I have, there's no way of quantifying this, 
more people will listen to sports talk in Des Moines today than ever before. Right. And don't you think? I mean, uh, yes, yeah. With all the stuff that happened last week mm-hmm. and all the good, uh, for the most part, um, you know, the good feelings that everybody's back in the building, I have a feeling that this, this format will be listened to today by more people than ever before, which is which is unbelievable. It'd be nice if we could get a diary just for this one day. It really would. They right? don't do that in this market. There are some markets that yeah. have that and are, are broken down that quickly. Market number 71, unfortunately, is not the case, but I'm sure they can take a look at the streaming numbers and see yeah. the difference that are going to be there at the very least and, and see what kind of bump it is. But it's an exciting time. It really mm-hmm. is. We talked about it a little bit last week when we got the news that we're adding the FM side of it, but it's a game changer, and it's an opportunity for this station not only to grow, but what you get in terms of sports content to grow. So many different avenues out there. It's a great thing and great for this station to all be back together again. No doubt about it. You know, I'm doing this for the first time. It just dawned on me as you were speaking. Our, our um, The wiki page. Oh, yes. You know, this station, it's, um, ah, it's not up yet. I thought somebody would have got to it. Because the station up until last week was known for what? The F bombs, well, sure, absolutely, yeah. and I thought that that would be really nice for that to become the 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 second most mm-hmm. um, known factoid, if you want to put it that way, about KX and O. Not that last week was any picnic either. I mean, you know, for the at least for a little while, it looked as though uh, six of our colleagues uh, were not going to be able to do what they love to do. Uh, that uh, famous morning or infamous morning of uh, two thousand and nine, three people uh, lost their gig. Certainly, uh, one deserved to more than the others. But um, so I wonder if the wiki page. We'll get update. How does that happen? Is there's a staff of wiki it. people? You can. No, do I'm it. not doing it. Yeah, but yeah, because I saw who owned the uh, who owned the Packers. The the, the, the running. Uh, what did I see? Raheem Mosert. Mosert owned the uh, the Green Bay Packers or something. He was king of Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody got to the wiki page and posted that. That uh, you know that Mosert story. Trent, this guy bounced around. Have you, did you go to his pro football reference page to watch, see all his transactions? I, seven teams, was that right? It was there, including your Bears. Yes. He was a Bears didn't need him. No. Uh, a lot of team, a lot of teams didn't need him. But, um, during the game, I had no idea who this dude was and was shocked to see that he played at Purdue. Right. Which is something that I figured of anybody, you would say, Oh yeah, I remember him there. Right. I was looking at his Purdue stats because I was the same way. Hell of a kick returner. Yes. Not much of a running back as far as statistics. Had 500 yards that, a senior year. That and was that, his best year. That was the high water mark and yeah. maybe 100 the two years previous. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, but he did uh, return a couple of kickoffs mm-hmm. for touchdowns, so that was obviously what he was doing at Purdue. Um, but I have to think that at that time, you know, Purdue wasn't a very good football team, and I no. have no idea who was beating him out. But um, look, a lot of teams swing and miss at guys, right? And this was a perfect example of that. Uh, look, we got the right Super Bowl. The right two teams mm-hmm. are, are going to play for the Super Bowl. The point spread is one. It's the Chiefs at the Niners. As many people have said, you know, I my, my take on Tuesday of the non-game week might be completely different than it's going to be on Friday, a couple of days before the Super Bowl, right? I can make a case for the Chiefs. Yep. I can make a case for the Niners. As I sit here this morning, I'm leaning Niners. You are. I am. I'm leaning Chiefs. But I'm, again, come talk to me a week from Friday. Well, we just went through this with the national championship. Initially, we both really liked LSU. LSU. By Friday, before the Monday game, Mm -hmm. we had both flipped over, at least in terms of grabbing the points, and we both grabbed Clemson. Let's not talk us out of what we're thinking. How about that? So you're going to stay Chiefs and I'm going to stay Niners? You stay 49ers? Yeah, but I'm rooting for the people in the. There's more Chiefs fans. There are. You know that. Look at. 
it's been 50 years, right? And there's a lot of Chiefs Someone fans. Think about, we talked about this a bit last week, but this is we're not talking about an inept organization. No. This is a well-run yes. organization that has been successful, that has had good teams, mm-hmm. really good teams. Schottenheimer had, what, a 14-2 and team? Well, that, that, was that the year that the Broncos beat them out in the, uh, uh, it was like 14-10 or something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. It was a wild card. I think that was their first Super Bowl, and then they would have to go to Steelerville uh, to knock off the Steelers before they represented the AFC, and then would beat the Packers in Super Bowl 32. But... Yeah, it would just be it would be nice for Chiefs fans um, to you know be able to share in this and feels like what it's like to be you know to capture one. Look, I've been on the air. The Broncos have won three titles. It's crazy. I've been on the air. The Bears have won zero. No, and the Twins have won zero. Yeah, but you're Twins, man. You got to be excited about that. That line. I know you're gonna have to pitch, and they're gonna win pitch. a lot of nine eight games or eleven to nine type of games. But they've got the lineup to do uh, just that. Well, let's get into a couple of things here, Trent. If, if you're new to the show, sports move our needle. Uh, we could talk literally, and we will try to do so. And I win an Iowa State topic seemingly every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taught very early uh, by a guy that um, was one of the guys that was responsible for the longevity that I've had, and a guy by the name of Bob Dyer, and he impressed on me. You can talk Cyclones, and you can talk Hawkeyes every day. You've got to play the hits. So we do, and we're going to talk Iowa, and we're going to talk Iowa State and localize it whenever we can, and those are the two needle, biggest needle movers. And Trent and I have a program that's, Unlike, I didn't say more popular. I said unlike <laughs> yes, it's different. Uh, any of the uh, any of the other three shows. But there's something for everybody, right? Sports talk in a lot of ways, kind of like pizza. Uh, some people like the work. Some people just like cheese. Thick crust, thin crust, Chicago style, New York style. Um, there's a little bit of something for everybody on this radio station. We're glad that the gang's all back together. So let's go back to Friday night because that calendar-wise, that's where the weekend started. And like I say, it seems like so damn long ago. Now. It was. It really was. Um, After the longest work week of my life. Yeah, and good for you, man. You 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 really. Well, and it, it seriously, it's not about me at all. No, I, mean, I know I, it's not about you, but you filled in a lot, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of people in this building very appreciative for the role that you took and played. But by Friday evening, and the game finally gets on at eight o'clock, and I told you I had this is always the weekend. MLK weekend is when we celebrate Christmas with my wife's family. Mm-hmm. Her mom lives in St. Louis; she comes up with her sister and her kids. Dad from Sioux City, and her brothers come from down there. You so. had a house full. We got a house full. I got an extra dozen people in there after the work week that we had just gone through. And what do you want to do? You just, you want to relax. Mm-hmm. They were very good. They were very understanding. They went out, they played cards up in the kitchen, and they allowed me to sit in the lazy boy, put the baby to bed, and I just sat there and watched hoops and had a couple of cold ones, oh, and it boy. was such a great game. It was it entertaining. Really was. From the get-go, mm-hmm. Iowa looked like, boy, they should be up double digits at the half, but Michigan made yep. that run. And then Michigan comes roaring back and takes his lead, and a seven-point lead with, what, five, six minutes to go. And Iowa comes back, and back and forth, and two good teams, and it's offensively interesting, on and on and on. Scott Docterman, I thought, wrote a great piece afterwards, afterwards at The Athletic, talking about it's going to be lost. The College basketball is about March, but this was a great 
regular season. It was game. a classic, Trent, is what it was. It was a throwback. It was a Big Ten. It was physical. It had uh, it had a lot of scoring in the basketball game. So maybe that's unlike some of the Big Ten games. But you know, so much, so many guys you want to talk about, right? C.J. Frederick, who looks like a freshman one time down the court, then he's making big shots, then he's John with Wagner, and I love that part about C.J. Frederick's game, <laughs> getting into it with him with a couple of minutes left. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, the game that he put together, what did he finish up with? 13 rebounds, didn't score a point, but had 13 boards. How about that? And just about five assists. Uh, Luca Garza was Luca Garza. Zuma Mahente is going to join us later on in the program. Uh, he had Seth Greenberg on. And it wasn't, I don't know if it was Sports Center or it was one of the. Um, it was Big Monday. Yeah, one of his hits. But I, uh, Luca, uh, Luca Garza was the subject of Seth Greenberg's conversation. And if you missed it as I did, Zubin is going to share that, uh, with us when he joins us about 1125. But the game was unreal. Michigan, look, I don't think they're as good as we thought that they are after the, uh, battle for Atlantis, but they're still a pretty damn good basketball team. They're an NCAA tournament team. The road is unkind to bid the Big Ten, uh, this year. Uh, and it looked for a long time as they were going to pick this one off, but the, uh, the Hawks just wouldn't have a creener was unbelievable. Uh, coming off the bench, a lot of guys, uh, Wieskamp was Wieskamp. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just entertaining as hell. It was. And the Frederick, this guy is such a difference maker oh. for this team. We talked about it after the Northwestern game last week. He is a guy that isn't scared of the moment. No. He isn't going to wilt when the big shot is there. And he doesn't let mistakes linger. He th- came down the floor and he th- tried to hit one of yeah. his team. He threw it off the backboard. Mm-hmm. He gets the ball, I don't know if it was the next possession or the possession, and hits a massive three ball. Creener, not scared. No. They're down at that point. Creener's a freshman. Creener's a senior. Mm-hmm. He wants the ball at that point, right? And he's, as he said afterwards, look, I don't have a lot of career left. And I'm no, paraphrasing. No. Right. But, uh, yeah, he was big. I also like Creator afterwards. He uh, said after he scored the 11th straight points, I thought he was good. He said, I thought it was going to be like Garzon score 40. <laughs> joking said. around afterwards. He, you need these kind of stories, though, at places like Iowa. You need the guy that makes that final mm-hmm. step his senior year. Went from a rotational player, mm-hmm. started at times, but he's just a piece. But a lot of times you'll see guys that final season oh, yeah. turn it on. Think of what Aaron White did. Yep. We talk a lot about mm-hmm. the Fran fade come February because mm-hmm. it seemingly happens every year except for one. The one year it didn't happen, it was when Aaron put his Wouldn't let it happen. Put the team on his back during that stretch and they went seven and two down the stretch, something that we haven't seen very often with Iowa basketball. And that leads to another point. That's still lingering out there. Things are going well right now. Two more home games. Both look very winnable. So you're expecting the fade, are you? Well, the schedule's going to be much more difficult it is. when you get into February. There's a lot of difficult road games. There's... Difficult starting tomorrow. This Rutgers team yes. is legit. But it's at home. Yeah. And Wisconsin's at home, but that's the other part. Rutgers, they're going to look different than anybody that they've seen recently. This team defensively is as good as it gets. And Ron Harper Jr., I don't know what it is when he sees Iowa across the chest, but it Different seems like players, he plays he? his best. Did they? Did McCaffrey turn him down or something? I, you got to wonder, don't you? You really do, because boy, he plays the Hawks tough. But they're defensively the way they are going to get up, and they're going to defend at a big level. They came to Carver. Was that last year? And they just absolutely throttled the Hawks when I was remember. playing pretty well. I think it was the case. This is going to be a difficult one. And then Wisconsin, very uneven season out of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. In fact, of the seven road victories in conference play. The Badgers have three of them. It's crazy. Think of that. I know. Three of the seven come courtesy of a pretty average Wisconsin mm-hmm. team, but it's still, Iowa's got their own 
certainly history. We talk about on the football side, but the basketball yep. side hasn't been very good the last two two decades against Wisconsin either. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And then you go back on the road again after that. So this could flip very quickly, or a guy gets banged up, or God forbid, an injury. Yeah, you can't have any more of those. Right. They've had enough of those. Unbelievable. Craner, good for you. Garza, Frederick, uh, everybody. Tucson, that was a team win is what it was. And <laughs> One more. What's that? One, one more thing. And, and this was in my notes, and I, I don't know where to put it, so let's put it right here. <laughs> okay. Connor McCaffrey come down the middle of the lane and trying to dunk in traffic. Yeah. The ball comes flying out of there. He missed the dunk, but for whatever reason, I loved it. It was another one of those attitude type of things. Yeah. Connor McCaffrey is not going to be... Well, how about the behind-the-back pass, too? Yeah. He's he's never going to be confused with a uber-elite high flyer. But no, but between to, the years, he's got to go Oh, there's on. no doubt. There is no doubt. And it was kind of at the time of the game where they needed a little a little gusto. It didn't work. He missed the dunk. But yeah. I don't know. It just it didn't ignite anything, but it, it felt important in a way. I don't know. It's hard to kind of quantify or say what it was, but it... It felt important. Mm-hmm. Just an aggressive nature. Yeah. I'm going to take it to the rim here. Yeah, I remember the play. I remember the point in the basketball game we're talking about. You know, I, I took a bunch of notes, too, and my very last my very last note after it was all said and done was, how did this team lose to the Huskers? <laughs> 4-33, no C.J. Frederick. I know. That's I how know. it happened. And the road. Yeah. Uh, it was a combination of things, but man, oh, man, that was fun. All right, uh, from fun to... That was a good twenty minutes, uh, maybe the first half of, um, and for the second straight game, right? They mm-hmm. they gave up points at the end of the first half a couple of nights ago. It was it was the Baylor game. Um, it was the free throws right at the end of it. Another uh, case of that. Um, look, this this Iowa State team, Trent. I, I don't know how the season's going to end for them. The good news is they've got Oklahoma State at home tonight. Now Oklahoma State on Saturday, if it would have shoulda, they had Baylor on the ropes. They did they had them on the ropes? I watched the game. I thought, you know what? You're watching the number two. They were two at the time. Baylor go down of all teams. Oklahoma State. And the reason I wanted to watch because they were in. Uh, they're coming to Ames tonight. But I don't know. I mean, this is a winnable basketball game. The Cyclones and this fan base needs a win. Last time we said that, Oklahoma showed up and they pounded them. I hope that the same happens tonight. I know the point spread says that it will because they're favored. What, a handful? Five and a half. Five and a half? Uh, I look, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go with this Iowa State team. It's just, it's it's... It's Halliburton, and when they struggle to shoot the basketball, three of twenty-two. weren't they all at fifteen at one point in the game? Is that what it was? I'm going to flip to my notes on Iowa State. I'm pretty sure they were all of fifteen. Yeah, that sounds right. It looked uh, like they were trending that direction. Yeah. Unbelievable. They finished first three. They got with uh, the first three was twelve minutes left in the basketball game. They that finished was, the game overall. What was it? Three, three of, of 22. twenty-two. Yeah, they were all fifteen to start. And we talked about this early this season with this basketball team. They didn't shoot it very well. I go back. I like the collect. I like the pieces. I still think there's talent there, mm-hmm. but it's a combination that doesn't work together. And with Halliburton, his ability to get into the lane and go fast, they don't have the shooters outside to go along no. with it. And and and, and what, I never thought. Well, I shouldn't say never. Never's a long time. But we've been maybe spoiled because Iowa State's always had that shooter. Right. They've all, at least one. You know, some teams got a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitchell Long, well, Matt Thomas. There's a bunch of them that have played and played recently. McGee, yeah, um, you could count on him to make these shots. They've always had that guy, but uh, I don't know. It's just and this collection's not working together. It's not. Here's what I think. Here's where I think they're trending, and I hope that's not the case. But boy, at this point, I think you would sign 
best case scenario is they avoid the first night of the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. Right? Got to be in the top seven six for versus, that to Yeah, seven versus ten, eight versus nine. It sure seems like they're heading in that direction. Because you look at the standings right now, Baylor at the top. And K-State had a nice win this weekend. They did, but that was their first conference win. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's still looking for their first in Texas, who looked awful Trent. last night. They were down. Let me see when I wrote it. I, I tried to stick with that game last night. Let me just see here. You couldn't. It was 77-36 to 36 with nine and a half minutes left when I said uncle. And that play, I saw it because I was out at that time, but that play that made it that score, right. was that the one that the ball went to the corner and there was three guys for Texas just yes. watching the Jogging ball? Jogging back. Not one even guy walking even, back. Guy, one guy didn't even walk back. Mm-hmm. He was just standing there, just mm-hmm. watching the play unfold as a West Virginia player had to go to the get opposite it. corner, yep. get it, then go to the rim, and the guy didn't move. Nope. Didn't move. I mean, is and it, his is teammates, it over for Shaka? Sure, that's, that's the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah. Is they've quit on their coach. No doubt. That's they've quit on hideous. their coach. The Shaka Smart era has not gone well at Texas. Yeah, who would thought, right? I, I had this one dead wrong. This is year five. Year five. They made two tournaments, exit in the first round in both of them. Mm. Can't do that at Texas. Mm-mm. I know Texas, it's not the same, same prestige as football, but they still have a ton of resources. Can that we, can't happen. Can we find it? Uh, let, let's find a minute to talk about Northern Iowa because they yeah. are going to uh, – look, they're in the nice driver's seat. It was a really nice win. ESPN2 at it. Kevin Lehman was on the color mm-hmm. in that basketball game. Uh, so my, my biggest takeaway – well, look, Brown was really good, but watching this kid Kingsby uh, for Bradley, yeah. did you know he was his, uh, had the, the role on that team? Trent, he was – he was unbelievable, but good for the Panthers. Good for the Panthers. Burhau hit some shots, maybe not as many as you'd like. Fife was unbelievable in the basketball game. We are going to have two teams from our state hear their name called on Selection Sunday. The Panthers are clearly trending that way, mm-hmm. uh, and Iowa looks as though they're a cinch because the Big Ten is going to get, I don't know, 10, 9, 11 uh, teams um you, you would think, anyways, uh, be invited to, that, to participate. You know, I think this UNI team is a team that is going to put together a resume that they don't have to win Arch Madison. I hope you're right, man. I, I cannot envision, with the MVC the way that it is, this team losing more than two games the rest of the regular season. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so difficult to find. And I, they lost to a bad Illinois State team. Yep. They did. That's still there, and that maybe maybe that does taint things a little bit. But when I watch this team, how efficient they are on the offensive end, I know Ben Jacobson basketball is not for everybody. The the slow down tempo that they play, but this Scored team eighty six and they're averaging seventy eight a game. Right, the tempo is still slow. They're still going to go through their sets and they're going to grind you on the defensive end. But they're so efficient on that end. It starts mm-hmm. with AJ Green, but everybody else. You mentioned Burhau, and if he can continue to shoot and Carter the off the bench, yeah, yeah, a freshman playing yes. at that level. You talked about Fife, but even the big guy Dahl coming off the bench mm-hmm. and what he's been able to do to provide some more minutes there. And Fife was in foul trouble, and yeah. they needed Dahl to step up. This is a really solid team, and I think they're going to be fifteen and three, maybe sixteen and two. That type of record that'll be good enough this year. You got to get sixty-eight teams in, and you look across the landscape and outside of the Big Ten. There's a lot of bad power conference teams out there right now. Yeah. Then there's going to be some seventeen and fourteen type teams getting in. A twenty-eight and five UNI team. They're also going to get in. Uh, fingers crossed. All right, we'll take a timeout. We're going to switch gears. We're going to do some uh, Iowa State conversation uh, with Alex Halstead, Cyclone. Let's see the Cyclones hired. Matt Campbell's got another coach in the fold. Uh, we've got a giveaway. Let's do this. Let me get the keyword, Trent. I believe 
Uh, it's kind of ironic that the last FM station to carry sports was the jock. And lo and behold, it's time to pay your bills with iHeart and 1460KXNO. Text the keyword jock to 200-200 right now. That's your chance to win $1,000. Jock to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, we are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 100 106.3. In Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. One half hour from now, we'll talk Hawks with John Bowenkamp from Sports Illustrated. The Maven, uh, he was in the building for a couple of things. Uh, well, a number of things. Friday night, he, he witnessed Michigan Iowa, and then Kirk Ferentz's what do we call it? A season ender or a season renewal? He kind of recaps a little bit. Then he looks forward. They started this a different time, certainly after 2014, mm-hmm. with the Jake Rudock slash C.J. Beathard situation. Much kinder, gentler Kirk Ferentz at this moment. No doubt, and, and much more media-friendly as they've ever been. fences to mend back after that one. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's uh, talk Iowa State. Again, uh, top of the hour, we'll talk Hawks with John Bowen, Cam Zubin, Mahente from ESPN Sports Center, where you see Zubin. We see him on a lot of the shows, but Zubin joins us every week, and this week will be no different. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, 24-7 Sports. Alex Trenton, Ken, welcome to 1460 KXNO, and now on 100... 106.3 FM. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good, yeah. Hello to all the hopeful new listeners out there. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Uh, let's uh, A lot of ground to cover with you. Let's do the, uh, the the news from this morning before we talk about the basketball. I know you've got a, a way-too-early depth chart uh, out uh, at CycloneAlert.com. Uh, maybe get into a couple of things on that. But Mick McCall comes from Northwestern. Uh, he's going to be the uh, running backs coach at Iowa State. This will fill all the vacancies, I, I believe, correct, on uh, Campbell's staff. What can you tell us? about Mick McCall, um, and is is he here already? Yeah, so I guess to start, this this would fill all the vacancies. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like there should be anything else that would transpire. So, you know, filling the strength and conditioner uh, coach recently with Dave Andrews from Pittsburgh and now Mick McCall from Northwestern, that would fill everything. It's kind of what we expected um, in terms of, you know, Tom Manning moving to tight ends and then, you know, filling a running back spot in, instead of a tight end spot which was uh, left open by Alex Golish, going to be the co-offensive coordinator at UCF. So it kind of all fits. I'm not sure if he's actually in town quite yet. I do know that uh, Iowa State has a different recruiter designated as their 10th recruiter out on the recruiting trail this week. That is not Mick McCall. So uh, that would indicate to me that they're still finalizing some things, getting him to Ames, but it's possible that before the dead period begins February 1st, he's out on the uh, road recruiting for them. Um, but the thing is, you know, going back to this hire, I think it's more of a – Oh, another offensive mind, uh, a guy that's a veteran coach who's been at Northwestern as their offensive coordinator the last two years. Uh, and more of a coach, I think, than a recruiter. Not that he can't recruit, mm-hmm. but I think uh, he's much more of a like, kind of a veteran coach to a pretty young offensive staff than he is going to be some you know big recruiter like Nate Shieldhouse has been in recent years. 
So, McCall, it didn't end very well at Northwestern. You look at the offense this season, it was bad. There's no two ways about it, but there's plenty of history there, too. This is not just one year that you're looking at. Over 16 years, Northwestern's had plenty of high-powered offenses and been able to do things different ways. Have, have you dug in a little bit deeper and see if any changes, new ideas? He kind of mentioned that a little bit, Alex. What what kind of changes you could see and the ideas that McCall could bring to to change some of the things they do offensively? Yeah, I think I think one thing fans would tell you is uh, maybe that he'll bring some uh, under-center stuff for fourth downs. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's obviously a little bit different style at, at Northwestern. Um, I think he could bring some different ideas in that regard. You know, 2018, they had a, a good good year. Um, I don't know all their numbers and that sort of thing. But uh, I think the one thing that this kind of goes back to is this is another guy that Matt Campbell, I think, is probably comfortable with. He, he was uh, at Bowling Green with him for three years really early in Campbell's career. And when you look at recent hires, you know, Campbell has gone young. He's gone veteran, but he's always kind of gone to guys he knows. Matt Capone. Uh, last year, you know, they played together at, at Mount Union. Uh, Jeff Myers, you know, he had uh, coached him at Toledo and brought him everywhere with him. Nate Shieldhouse's connection was to Alex Golish and uh, one of their guys on their staff, uh, former Illinois uh, strength and conditioning coach Aaron Hillman, who's kind of one of their, I guess, uh, psychology type guys. You know, so a lot of these hires that they've made in recent years have been guys that Campbell's familiar with in the business, uh, and that's the same thing with McCall. So I think he's going to be on the same page with Campbell, uh, but also I think. He's a little bit different than what they have on the staff because you look at Tom Manning and uh, Jeff Myers and you know some of these guys have been together and they've kind of you know molded some of these same ideas over the last four-plus years even. And I think McCall brings maybe a little bit of new life in terms of maybe some new ideas, especially probably to the running game. You know, but you mentioned Shieldhouse, and I get the impression that, that he's really the – oh, Bulldog might not be the right uh, way to describe him, but he's the closer or he's the guy that – you know, out on the recruiting trail, he gets he gets in front of these kids. I mean, Campbell's going to come in and you know be the ultimate closer, the thumbs up, thumbs down. But Shields Shieldhouse is he taking that role? Is he seen in the, amongst the coaching staff as the as the uh, you know the go to recruiter on this staff, or is there someone else? Yeah, I think he would probably be the guy, especially I think because you look at recent years and the areas that they've been able to recruit well are, are where he is, and I think some of that is. You know, it's it's well time to be in Kansas City. You know, Kansas City is really kind of a blossoming recruiting area, as is St. Louis, um, which is more so DK McDonald. But you know, Nate Shieldhouse is obviously a, a former star quarterback in the Kansas City yep. area, and that's helped them. Whether it's with a guy like you know Brees Hall, which is which is the Wichita area uh, in Kansas, but you know he's been to Kansas and to Missouri recruiting, and he's also been down in San Antonio, which they just got three guys in this last recruiting class. And so, you know, those are two of his big areas, or that area of Texas and, and the Kansas City slash Kansas uh, areas. And so he's been uh, big in both of those areas for them. And I think, you know, he's a guy that's uh, like 28 years old, you know, so he's a younger guy that's not that far removed from the recruiting process, um, although he would probably joke that it's, it's getting farther and farther from his days of playing. But uh, you know, he, he could kind of relate to them. That's what Jirel Brock told me uh, a cycle ago was, you know, that Shieldhouse had went through this with Illinois not that long ago, and he could kind of relate to him through the process of making a decision whether it was Iowa State or not. So I think that has helped him, but also uh, just, you know, some of his recruiting territories, and he knows what it kind of takes to recruit. You know, he told me that once uh, when I interviewed him was, you know, he knows what he liked and didn't like when coaches were recruiting him as a four-star quarterback out of high school, and so I think – you know, that's really helped him in this process of, of going out and being a recruiter now. So uh, you do a lot of recruiting at Cyclone Alert. Do you know Mick McCall? 
He's a Colorado guy. At least that's where he went to college. He was in the MAC for a while, of course, Northwestern. Do you know kind of his recruiting base? Any idea at least where he has connections and where he fits in that puzzle for ISU? Yeah, so he's a veteran coach, obviously, so I think he's probably got some different ties. But I think, you know, when you look at Alex Gorse, what they're going to lose there, a lot of their ties, um, you know, I guess not lose because they've got other coaches, but, you know, what he did was a lot of Illinois. You know, he had been in Illinois um, and that sort of thing. And so I think McCall brings that for sure because he's been at Northwestern where he's recruiting in the state a little bit. So I think, you know, he's going to be able to probably go back into the state of Illinois and, and they probably hope help him there. But you look at, you know, his time in the state of Ohio – that's obviously an area that Iowa State is, has recruited. So I think Midwest especially, which is what Alex Golish's primary, primary focus was. So I think he probably you know, maybe replaces some of the territories. Eli Rashid uh, for Iowa State has been big in Illinois. So it's not like by losing Golish they're just out of Illinois, but um, you know, I think McCall probably brings some of that back. Uh, you know, going back to like any vacancies they still have, I think the one thing that would be interesting to see is how they fill the recruiting coordinator role. Um, you know, Alex Golish's title was tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator. I think Derek Hooter is their, who is their director of, you know, player personnel or scouting. Um, I think there's a good chance he just takes over recruiting coordinator roles uh, because I think things have trended that way anyways. But, you know, I think that's one other thing that they have to probably continue to sort out. But, you know, Matt Campbell's recruiting staff is so big, especially compared to, say, previous coach Paul Rhodes. You know, he's got a lot more recruiting guys that I don't think that is going to – affect them as much. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. All right, one more on football, then we'll get to basketball. Big game tonight, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Uh, feels like a, a, a big, big spot. Uh, clones and their fan base really need this one. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite uh, to get it. Um, but just on football, Alex, you, as, we, as we mentioned, you, you put out a, uh, a depth chart, to your first stab at the 2020 depth chart. I don't want to go over it all. We've got plenty of time to do that. But as you were doing it, what position caused you the most angst? Yeah, there, there's two of them that were the most difficult for me to even try to project. And you know, I kind of noted, because I think I was wrong in a couple areas last year, when you project it this early, you know, things are really going to change through spring ball. But you know, it's fun to, I think, kind of look at it. Matt Campbell said before he projects two, three years out just for recruiting purposes so that he keeps in his drawer in his office or wherever in his office. So um, I think the offensive line is still uh, really hard to project. I think you got two shoe-ins to start, which would be Trevor Downing and Colin Newell. But the other three spots are still a little bit uncertain. I think Dory Ramos would probably take one of the tackle spots. Robert Hudson we've talked about. I think he's probably ready to try to prove himself at guard as an upperclassman, but I think even if those two stay, do step in through spring ball, you still got another tackle spot that's, that's two to be determined, and I think that's going to be the biggest question moving forward the next several months. Uh, Iowa State will be in uh, Friday to see a, a JUCO uh, offensive tackle. They've looked at uh, you know transfer offensive tackles. I think if Iowa State can go get one or two veteran linemen, whether it's JUCO or uh, graduate transfer, that could really bolster the depth, whether those guys start or not. So I think that's probably the position that gave me uh, the most uncertainty, but I think the safety spot is wide open too, um, with losing Braxton Lewis and Justin Bickham. And I uh, kind of went, uh, uh, I shouldn't say a long shot because I think he's got a really good shot. That's why I put him there. But uh, an intriguing name is Shim Young is going to be a redshirt freshman next year after redshirting this year. Uh, I've heard some more and more buzz on him, and hmm. uh, I kind of penciled him as a possible starter at safety. So those are two areas that uh, you know probably are, are the toughest to project going into spring ball. Over to some cyclone hoops, Alex and. Uh... Jumping in with this one, we've seen this team continue to struggle from the outside. One guy that at least have hope can hit some shots out there, and he's shown it a couple of times recently, is Trey Jackson. Are we trending towards, you're not playing for the future yet, there's still a ton of basketball, but 
He's been playing more than 20 minutes a game, I think, for the last five. And the other one, he had 19 minutes. Are we starting to see Trey Jackson being a bigger part and maybe getting towards those starter type of minutes out there in the guard court? Yeah, we have seen his numbers, you know, in terms of minutes uh, continue to increase over the last week or two. And I think the biggest thing there, and it's maybe to be expected a little bit from a true freshman, but he's just been so inconsistent still. You look at December, obviously his numbers were not good at all, but then all of a sudden, I guess Oklahoma goes 4-5, or and then I think he really struggled the other day. So it's just a matter of trying to get his shot more consistent, and that's kind of been the big talker right now is, you know, what do they do about this three-point shooting team? You know, I think this point of the season you kind of, are what you are. You know, you look at the preseason, Steve Prohm had said that if they were shooting 38% from three, he thought that they would be a really good offensive mm-hmm. team. Well, they're just above 30% from three. In Big 12 play, they're at 28.7%, mm-hmm. eighth in the Big 12 and Big 12 only games. And so, you know, last week they went 9 of 45 from three, including 3 of 22 from three uh, on Saturday against Texas Tech. Uh, Steve Prohm has mentioned a couple kind of eye-popping numbers. He said when they chart these, you know, seven of those 22 on Saturday were bad three-point shots. But he said they went 3 of 15 on wide-open threes that were charted. And you look back a couple of weeks ago against Kansas, he had said after that game they went 0 of 9 on wide-open threes. You know, that's kind of where they're at in terms of trying to figure stuff out because, you know, part of them are talking about more pushing the ball inside more because they're not making threes. Uh, I think they've shot 20-plus threes in 15 of 17 games this year. But the question is, you know, it's kind of hard to pass up a wide-open three if you have 15 of them in a game. And so, you know, it's just kind of a struggle right now. They just can't make threes. You look at their – their top uh, four guys in terms of attempts, um, you know, Trey Jackson being one of them, you know, they, the, the guys that have 50-plus attempts, you know, Trey Jackson, Roger Bolton, and Prentice Nixon are all shooting 31% or below. And mm. so, you know, those are your three of your top four guys other than Tyrese Halliburton, who's about 39%. You know, those guys just aren't making the threes that, you know, are there for them. And so I think at some point they got to figure out figure that out and, your time's kind of running out on that. Yeah, that's for sure. I think they what were they? They were oh fifteen, uh, and then Halliburton finally hit one, and then Jackson's both of his threes were in the final minute, right? I think they were in the final minute of the basketball game and finished three of twenty two, which certainly looked better than one of twenty. I mean, I guess the thirty ninth minute counts as much as the you know seventeenth minute, if you will, but but still, uh, both of those came late in the game. So the starting lineup: Jacobson, Condit, Nixon, Bolton, and Halliburton. Do you think Prom settles on that for a while? I mean, I'm not sure what. Uh, what tweak is out there that he can still make? That seems to me where he's going to settle. Jacobson, Condit, Nixon, Bolton, and Halliburton. Do you expect to see that? Yeah, I think right now I think you expect him to settle on it mainly because I think he feels that rather than tinkering with the starting lineup, he can tinker with the rotation. And, you know, maybe that means that you see a game um, like we did last week where, or maybe it was the week before where, you know, Prentice Nixon's playing just five minutes in the first half. And it's because he's going with the hot hand of, of a Trey Jackson. So I think, at least for now, I would expect him to kind of stick with that lineup and maybe more than anything go with the hot hand of off the bench. I think that's one of the things, though, is Prentice Nixon, I think, has probably been the biggest, uh, I don't want to call him disappointment, but, I mean, just... Offensively. He's, he's, the, guy that really, yeah, he's the guy that really needs to step up. Yeah. I mean, he's been good defensively, right. but, you know, right now he's shot, you know, I think 60, 70 three-pointers, and he's shooting below 25% from three, and that's where Trent's question of Trey Jackson comes in. I think if you're talking about one guy where... Trey Jackson would come in and, and replace him in the starting lineup, it would probably be Prentice Dixon. You know, Roger Bolton's been pretty good over the last five, six games, especially as he's attacked the basket more rather than settling for some of those jump shots. But um, you know, I think Prentice Dixon's probably the biggest piece that if they're going to start winning some games here at the end of January and then into February, I think Prentice Dixon's offense has to get, get a lot better. Or you know, Trey Jackson or someone else has to pick up some of that load. 
Oklahoma State tonight uh, over at Hilton. Alex, what do you know about the Cowboys? They've yet to win a conference game. Played well for, what, 30-some minutes yeah. against Baylor before the Bears came roaring back over the weekend. But what can you tell us about the Cowboys? Yeah, Steve Prohm did note yesterday that you know they've played some of the elite defensive teams in the conference, including Baylor, Texas Tech, and, and West Virginia. But when you look at their offense, they've been – you know, pretty poor. You know, they scored 40 points against TCU. They had back-to-back games where they scored 40 and 41 points in conference play. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's the biggest area is Iowa State can't let, you know, Lindy Waters uh, especially get going beyond the arc. They have not shot well beyond the arc. I mentioned a minute ago that Iowa State is eighth uh, in three-point percentage in Big 12-only games. Uh, the only two teams below them are West Virginia and Oklahoma State. So, you know, Oklahoma State has struggled from three just the same as Iowa State. I know Iowa State fans out there probably right now are saying, Tonight will be the night that they go off. Uh, but, you know, that's probably the biggest key is just, you know, trying to hold them down offensively because I think, you know, Iowa State's offense, other than, other than their threes, you know, lately, they're still capable of putting up, putting up some points. And so I think uh, that's probably one of the biggest keys in this game. And uh, this is a must win. I yep. mean, you look at their after this one, three of their next four after this are against top 25 teams, including, you know, Auburn, Baylor, and West Virginia, two of those on the road. So you've you got to win this one and then, you know, try to kind of weather the storm of the next week and a half. And then once you get by there, the schedule does let up, let up a little bit. You'll have Baylor out of the way twice. You'll have already played West Virginia, Kansas, and Texas Tech once. And so that schedule starts to let up a little bit, but you've got to try to weather this storm. And I think that starts with, you know, winning a game against the last place team of the conference. No doubt about it. It seems like an opportunity there for them tonight. Alex Halstead, uh, Cyclone Alert 24-7 Sports. Alex, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Yep, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert. Tip time, Hilton tonight, 7 o'clock. You can hear the game down the hall on 100.3 The Bus. Trent and I will come back, finish out the hour. We're going to talk Hawks to start hour number two with John Camp, Sports Illustrated, The Maven. John will join us. Zubin Mahente, ESPN Sports Center at 1125. Trent and I until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3. Name that tune, Ken Miller. I wear my sunglasses. No, you the sunglasses at night, Corey Hart. Another fine Canadian lad. This was released 37 years ago today. Really? His debut. He's Canadian, right? He is Canadian. And I loved when Corey Hart played for the Brewers. Yes. And every time the highlight would come. Right. That'd be a Berman. That was a good Berman. Isn't Corey Hart an executive at Casey's? Yes. This guy's put together quite He's the life. He's very busy. You would think that after the record career that, you know, the Casey's gig wouldn't be necessary for him. But anyways. He uh, does it all. He did very busy do it. All right. Here's just just quick nug. We've only got a couple of minutes left in the first hour of the program. Coming up, we're going to talk Hawks with John Bowen Count from Sports Illustrated. A lot of ground to cover with him. Ference is uh, bringing the curtain down. Did you see? Not a victory lap. But he put out the he made the media aware of the forty seven wins in the last five years. Yes, and why it, wouldn't you? Well, and had it stacked up with just the Big Ten and Big Twelve teams, though, what was that? Oh, I about? didn't know that. So they gave a list to the media that was there yesterday, yeah. and it had them in conjunction with everybody in the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. Well, they no only SEC. play one team in the Big Twelve, right? No ACC, no Pac twelve. I understand doing it with your own conference that would make sense, yeah. but. But why that? Is it a is it a shot across the state? 
Well, things have changed, I think, as far as uh, certainly when we know Brian will make shots across the face. Maybe Brian was the last one before it went to press to have get his eyeballs. He might have went to the copy machine and said, "Hey, hey, go use this one." Hand this out to everybody before right. before Dad gets in there. So we'll we'll do, we'll do that with Bowen Camp. Also some uh, some hoops with Bowen Camp. But where I wanted to go, uh, the the NFL draft, which we're both big fans of it. Me maybe more so than Trent. But you, you go even deeper than I do. I, I love it. It's, it's coming. It's in Vegas this year. Speaking of that, I was talking with our buddy Matt Manasarian, yes, who works yes. for Stats and Information mm-hmm. Network, and uh, I talked with him. Actually, I tried to get him on our show last week uh, sometime, but he was in Vegas at the time in preparation for draft coverage there and some of the things he was getting worked out. Well, the, when so he's the plan is out for how they're, they're going to shut down Las Vegas Boulevard. The strip is going to be closed. What? Apparently. That, that Pro Football Talks uh, just reporting this right now. And I guess the main set is going to be set up somewhere. With the backdrop is going to be the Bellagio Fountains, which is a really That's good cool. idea. Yeah. I mean, where uh, look at the strip. If you have, if I'm guessing that most people that are listening to us today have been to Vegas at least at some point in sure. their lives. So, um, and I'm actually going to be there on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. But the the backdrop will be the Bellagio Fountains, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But four hundred thousand people they're expecting to be a part of the NFL draft. 400,000? That's way too many. Is it? Because what did we see Nashville last Not year, right? Yep, Nashville last year. Because wasn't that the, the big uh, to-do with that was all the bachelor parties? Yes. Or bachelorette parties? Bachelorette parties that were not happy right. about the NFL draft being there that weekend. But remember that shot that they took up the street? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was unbelievable. And as just, far as the eye could see. And that's Nashville, which is a great city. Mm-hmm. I, I love Nashville, and I want to go again soon. But... This is Vegas. Right. This is next level. And I don't know. Did you see any estimate of what the crowd was or remember For Nashville? Off-hand? Well, I don't think it was 400,000. Say it was 100,000. Mm-hmm. You don't think four times as many people? Vegas, new state. It's well, they Vegas. can accommodate them for sure with the hotels, et cetera. It's Vegas. I know, Trent. It's spectacular. I'm, I'm with you. Should we make a trip? Um. Okay. Should we talk to some people? See if All we can. Right. If we can make this happen. I would love to go. live shows from Vegas week of the NFL draft because there are going to be Hawks. Clearly, mm-hmm. maybe another couple of the here their names called will be an upset if the, there isn't two Hawks uh, drafted uh, in the first round this year. So. I know some studios we can use just there at the South Point Vison Studios. Um, we could use Matt Peralt's studio. We could use at the Matt Peralt's studio at the Palms. We got connections out yes, there. Yes, we do. You know, of course, it is legal Peralt, to wager here. It is because Matt Peralt actually does his show at the in the studio at the Palms, which is owned by the company I work for. And your old studio, right? In my it? old studio. Yes. yes. Uh, Full circle. Huh? World. Anyways, four hundred thousand people. The strip is going to be closed down from the twenty third through the twenty fifth. What a crazy four week period that's going to be. March Madness opening weekend is as busy a time in Vegas. And if you're a sports fan and you got it on your bucket list, just because sports wagering is legal here now, mm-hmm. still go. Yes, still go because it's so cool. I've done it twice and. I'm glad that I did, and I don't like crowds, but it's really, really fun to be out there. And uh, speaking of the NCAA tournament this year, as Iowa continues to build their way up the seed list at this point. Yeah, I saw Lenardi has them a five. I saw NBC, Dave Oman over there had them as a four playing in St. Louis. Wow, wouldn't We've that seen be sweet? them in Omaha. Now, Jerry Palm has them an eight. As an eight. What does he know? They're, they're better than that. <laughs> Jerry Palm. Uh, coming back in the second hour of the program, we will be joined... 
by John Bowencamp from Sports Illustrated. A lot of Hawkeye conversation to kick off the 11 o'clock hour. Zubin Mahente will join us about 11.25 from ESPN. As we take you up until noon, it's Miller and Condon weekdays 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and now on 100, 106.3 FM.